Worship guys, there's no pressure cutting worship short just for me. No, it's not just for me, it's for, we do believe that God wants to speak through this, um, through this message that I have. Um, the youthies, I see you all are like, yeah. Um, on Friday night, I, hello Lale. On Friday night, I, I gave them like a shortened version, version, not the other one. Um, of <laughs> of this preach, so guys, you make as if you as if you haven't heard it already, or yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just for the rest of you, afterwards, I got messages of how it impacted their lives. And so, guys, if you're not impacted, then there's something wrong. Now, I'm kidding. We're trusting. <laughs> we're trusting the Holy Spirit. Um, can we? Tian, Tian, can we maybe mark that in a bit stariger, Because I'm, I'm not, I'm hearing that thing not myself. It's like an airplane. <laughs> Bye, Peter. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. So, um, just, just before I start the message, um. Yeah, so I, I just want to tell you guys that um, you'll see Anita and the, and the two children are not here this morning. Um, they are, Clara's fine. We went, we took Clara to the ER yesterday. Um, luckily, it's just ear infection and it's a tonsillitis. And so she got antibiotics and everything's fine. Anita just felt like maybe she can stick on. Infect other people. Thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> cool. So, who of you can remember what Donnie, the scripture that Donnie used last week? Say again. Yes. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you. Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. And um, Donnie spoke about go and make disciples. And this, this morning I want to speak about the baptize part. And I want to teach a little bit on baptism. Um, and I'm going to, Justine, just for you making notes, I'm going to structure my preach in, in, in three, under three headings. <laughs> and um, the first heading would be kind of the unpacking of the word baptism. The second aspect would be like why, what is the significance, why do we as Christians do it? And the last one is like what is the spiritual aspect, the practical outworking of it. Before I start, I should say this because I study theology and with every little thing I write, I have to credit my sources. And so um, there's a guy in the city on a hill, Benoni Church. That is one of uh, uh, the 412 um, partnering churches of Josh Jane. Um, he's an elder in the church. And I, I hope I pronounce his name, his surname right. It's, the name is it's easy. It's Jan, like Jan sitting there. Hello, Jan. It's Jan van Waveren, I think. Maybe you can help me. All right, so, 
So what happened was uh, I thought like maybe God wanted to speak about uh, baptism, and then obviously you start uh, gathering. Actually, what happened, Dean spoke to me about, about baptism, and I went online, and I'm like, what resources is there or are there? Um, Luke, and, um, and I came across this teaching, and this teaching for me was so profound. It was so, so profound. So I am going to use a lot of the stuff that he uses. This is not just a rehash of that preach. I promise you, I made it my own, but there's a lot of stuff that when I heard it, I'm like, I cannot unhear the stuff. <laughs> I need to use it in this, in this message. So just to um, put that disclaimer out there. All right. If we, uh, what we do as a, as a leadership team is after the service, we kind of give feedback and we kind of rate the, the morning. And so for me this morning, a successful preach would not be determined by 20 people raising their hands wanting to get baptized. So I want to assure you this is not the aim of this message this morning. The aim is not for people to get baptized. Actually, as I dug into this, I realized the topic of baptism is like so central to the gospel message. And so this morning, I'm actually going to share the gospel. And for me, success this morning is people walking in freedom, people realizing that they're a new creation. And so just to put that disclaimer out there as well, and when I thought of that, I thought, yo, yo, Andre, you can't do it. You can't do it. So I actually want to stop here, and I want to pray before we continue. Lord Jesus, I want to ask you that you would be here. Lord, I'm going to speak, and I'll try and do my best. But Lord, I can't. My words can't cut hearts. I need you to come and do it. I need you to come and do heart surgery here this morning. And so, Lord, I do believe that as I, as, I, as I share this message, as I share what's on your heart, Holy Spirit, that you will come and do the work in us and amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, the good, not good, um, okay biblical scholar that I am, I went um, and I studied that scripture that I shared. Uh, you don't have to put it up again. Um, I studied the word baptism. <clears throat> and the thing when you study the Bible, the thing that you need to know, maybe a short lesson in hermeneutics, is that the Bible was written for us, but not to us. In fact, the Bible is a compilation of books and letters written to an audience centuries ago, but it is applicable to them, it's applicable to us, and it's applicable to the ages to come, the, the future generations as well. It's a universal book. But the thing that we need to do is we need to know what the context was in which, uh, or, or, or the context of the audience to which the, the, the original letter was, was written. All right. So just to, to put that word out there. So the word baptism is actually not an English word. I heard the story that um, back, in, back in the day when the first English Bible was written, the church had a lot more influence in the state, um, in, 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 in governmental affairs than now. And so the word baptism and what it means would actually have caused a civil war 
because the church of the day wasn't in agreement with that. The, the Roman Catholic Church weren't in agreement with that. So basically, they took the Greek word, Justine, you must help me here, or, or Penny. Um, they took the Greek word baptizo, and they, what's that word? Anglicized, oh, big word, anglicized it into the word baptism. So baptism is, is not a, originally an English word. And the word baptizo means to wash, to immerse, to submerge, to bathe, to dip. It does not mean to sprinkle, okay? It doesn't mean this, all right? It means to actually take something and put it under the water. Peter, where's Peter? Where's Peter? Peter, I see Zalaria's not here. Okay, so a <laughs> funny story. When we... When we, I, I baptized Elodia with Peter was there and uh, Roland and Pat was there, but we didn't have a swimming pool, so we baptized her in our bathtub. <laughs> and it was a small bathtub. So I was actually thinking, like, are we going to be able to submerse her fully? Like, uh, maybe a knee sticking out. It's like, I, I tried my best to. <laughs> it's kind of difficult in a bathtub just to put it out there. Um, so I, I did think about it. Like, is she really baptized now? But I believe she is. <laughs> I do believe she is. <laughs> yeah, luckily we have uh, Gary and, and, and Karen's pool. All right, but so the, the, the question I want to ask you this morning is, there's two words that can mean the same thing, that can mean to immerse or to, to dip into water, and that is the word baptizo. I hope I pronounced it right, but also the word, the word bapto. And so here's where the context is important. And we get the context actually from a, a, a Greek. There was a Greek physician. His name was Nicander. And he wrote a recipe for baking pickled vegetables um, 200 years before Christ. It's a, it's a Greek. Um, it's a Greek the, the recipe is written in Greek. And here's what he said. He said, take the gherkin or whatever, wortelki, whatever, and bapto it in boiling water and then you take that same thing and you baptizo it in vinegar can you see the difference if you bapto something it's temporarily changed nothing nothing it's a temporarily rarely thing it's not there's not really change if you do it quick enough the wortel stays a wortel all right but you can never unpickle pickled vegetables and that's the difference so the title of my message um, maybe a cheesy one, but uh, is are you baptized or are you dipped? Are you pickled or are you dipped? <laughs> are you a gherkin or ice cream? Okay, we can we can still um, brainstorm over that one. <laughs> All right, now I've I've, I've lost mine. All right. So here's the thing that I want to say. You don't have to be a Christian to be baptized. You don't have to be a believer to be baptized. Anyone can go into the water dry and come out wet. I suggest you use Lifebuoy or Lux or whatever so that actually the, the, the going into the water doesn't happen. Is this thing going away? Hey? Okay. Right, so but when a Christian gets baptized, something 
magnificently spiritual happens. It is not just a physical act. It is a physical act of obedience. It's your choice. You don't have to wait for some spiritual intervention to know now is the time that I have to get baptized. It is a physical, physical thing. But when we do it, there's massive spiritual reward for us in heaven. And that is what I want to explain to us this morning. There's a question out there, and I've seen a lot of um, YouTube videos on this thing, where, where people poses the question like, so is baptism necessary for salvation? Like, are you, sa- are you not saved unless you are baptized? And I want to say no. Salvation is entirely God's work. It's a free gift, all right? It's there for us. Jesus died on a cross. If the Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 12, he says, if we... Is it that one? Um, no, not that one, sorry. The uh, Bible says in... I must find it. <laughs> sorry. Romans 10, sorry. Romans 10 verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. All right. So what is baptism? Baptism is just a public declaration of our faith. It is an act of obedience. But like I said, it is like it is a there's something massively spiritual that happens when we get baptized. So why do we need to be baptized? Yes, because Jesus commissioned us to go and baptize people. The word baptizo, the word baptism in that scripture in, 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 in Matthew twenty eight means Baptizo, and baptizo means to fully submerge into water, like I said. All right. Can you, Connie, can you put um, Romans 6, verse 1 to 11 on the board, please? Okay, so if you read this, this is an incredible scripture of what the significance is of baptism and what it symbolizes. So there was a, just to put verse 1 and 2 into context, or actually verse 1, there was a, a doctrine, a false doctrine back in the day where people think that, oh, so there's grace. So when I sin, um, God has grace, so God forgives my sin, and so the more I sin, the more grace I have, and grace is a good thing. And I've listened to a, a preach, um, a funny guy, that whenever Paul says, or wherever that word, by no means, that guy would go, uh-uh, all right? So it's like, definitely not, like, uh-uh. It's not what God, um, what, what, what God is saying. He says, how can we, verse 2, how can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been unified with Him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like this. Sorry. We know that our old self, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved 
to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death has no, long, uh, no longer has dominion over Him. Next one. For the death he died, he died to, to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And this is the important verse. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. For me, this is a beautiful, beautiful scripture of what baptism symbolizes. Vince, what is the slogan of Josh Jane? Dying to live. See, we cannot become a good person. You cannot become a good person. We all, Bible says, we all are born sinners. You cannot. It's not like following a diet or making a lifestyle change. You need to die. In, um, in John 3 verse 3, Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you, uh, one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people goes to heaven. All right? You cannot, and I want to establish that. You cannot think that I'm living a morally good life, therefore I will go to heaven. No. Bible says in Romans 3 somewhere that all have fallen short of the glory. And with all, I'm including myself and every single person in this room, we are all, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore, we need a Savior. There's no way into heaven on our own. Okay? Do you get that? So what happened a few weeks ago, I had the wonderful privilege of conducting the funeral service, first of Lolly, and then a week later, or two weeks later, of Luca. All right, it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful event. <laughs> and the reason why I say it was a wonderful event was because they, um, they came to me, they said they want to be baptized, and I took them, and I drowned them, and then I resurrected them, or God resurrected them, okay? And so the cool significant thing of that is, is that, Lolly, at the bottom of your pool, have you taken that corpse out already or not? Still there, still there. In, this, in Gary's pool, there are numerous corpses lying there. All right, Luca is also lying there. <laughs> yeah, all right. So what happens is we actually, in that moment, symbolizes us being nailed to the cross with Christ. And then dying, placed in the grave, as you go under the water, you, you die. Your old self die. And then Lolly was easy. I just, and then this was fine, but Luca, I, I held him there because there was more to need to die there. Um, I'm joking, Luca. Um, but but we, we go into the water a sinner, and we come out of the water a child of God. And that is a phrase that I will emphasize later. Does it mean that we cannot sin anymore, that we don't do sin anymore afterwards. No, we do sin. Ask my wife. I still do. Last night, when the Springboks lost. Okay? 
<laughs> Donnie was more mature than me. He switched off the TV. I was like, kept on hoping something would happen. But there's, in that moment, there's an identity change that happens. There's an identity change. We change from sinner to a child of God. But a child of God, my children, they make mistakes. We do make mistakes. And we do need a lot of grace still. But our, our, and I want to emphasize this, our identity changes. I want to use an example to illustrate baptism from the, from, from the Bible. And it's actually funny because um, Egan spoke about the Israelites at the prayer meeting. We spoke about a lot about the Israelites. And I'm also going to use the Israelites. And we all know that the Israelites were in bondage, um, the property of, enslaved in Egypt. And um, they were set free. God set them free, and He used Moses. Who can tell me what was the two things, what were the two things that had to happen in order for them to be free? And the youthies and Justine and Mia are not allowed to answer this. <laughs> what were the two things that had to happen before they were delivered? Anyone? Anyone? Or oh, I should have said nothing, and then you would sound like super smart, eh? <laughs> the first thing, there were a lot of plagues, obviously. But the plagues didn't set them free. There was one plague that set them free, and that was the death of the firstborn of all the people. And what did the Israelites have to do to avoid that? They had to, yes, they had to slaughter a lamb and apply the blood on the doorposts. What was the second thing that had to happen for, in order for them to be free? Hey? Leave, yes, but something happened. They, yeah, youth is, yes. Okay. They crossed the Red Sea. And like I said to them, they never crossed the Red Sea. They went through the Red Sea. And so for us, how, we, uh, how that is applicable for us is the lamb that was slaughtered is Jesus Christ. Bible says Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Hebrews speaks of the ultimate sacrifice who died for our sins once and for all. He will never die again. Therefore, it's no need to slaughter any animals anymore. We can pry them and we can put basting sauce on them, but there's no need for the ritual of sacrifice because Jesus has done it all for us. But the second thing is they went through the Red Sea. And in going through the Red Sea is a, is a, is a symbol of baptism. But what I find fascinating is on the other side of the, of the Red Sea, two magnific magnificent things happened as well. The first one, when the Red Sea closed behind them, there was no way back. God, God won't, won't open the Red Sea again for them to go through. It's a one-way ticket. And the second one that is even more fascinating for me is that once the Red Sea closed and the Israelites, some of them drowned in the Red Sea, from that very moment, the Israelites were cut off from the ownership of the Egyptians. From that moment, from that moment, they didn't have to obey any rules. Any shouting, they didn't have to do it. 
They were not the property of the Egyptians anymore. And so for us, when we are saved and we, when we go through the water, we are cut off from the authority that Satan has over us. We are born, Bible says, we are born sinners. We are born into a world where Satan, Bible says, that Satan is the prince of this world. So when we get born, we are his property. We are. And that is not our fault. That actually is also. But it's Adam and Eve's fault. It's humanity's fault. The Bible calls it a, it's a bit technical, but it's an inherited sin. We are born that way. You're not born a good person. Anyone with children, can you tell me that children are born good? No. They are definitely. They cry when they're not supposed to. They wet their pants. And as soon as they can walk around, they want to stick their fingers into stuff. And, and when they're older, Clara's age, if you tell her not to do something, she will go and do it. And so that is evidence that we are born sinners. We are born in, under the dominion of Satan. We are his property. He can do with us what he wants. And believe me, he does. But then there comes a day when we get saved and we make that decision, like I said in Romans 10 verse 9, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Believe in that lifeline that Jesus created for us. And when we are baptized, we are cut off from the ownership of Satan. We don't have to follow his commands anymore. We don't have to listen to him. I use this illustration with, with, with Luca um, and the older people here must please forgive me if I get the terms wrong. But when you did your army service, you stood there, you were a, what do you call it, a troop. And there was a, who was the guy in front? The corporal or something. And from that moment, or when you was there, you were in, in uniform and he shouted commands at you and you had to obey him because you were now the property of the state for the next two years or one year or what, however long you were there. And so when he said, run there, you run there. If you say, jump, you jump. If he says, go get, fetch me a leave, you go fetch a leave. But the moment you're done with your service, your two-year service, even now today, you meet that guy in the, in the pick and pay. Will you listen to him when he says, go fetch me a milk? No, because you're not under his authority anymore. You don't have to listen to him anymore all right so here's the thing here's the thing and maybe i'll maybe i'm going to sound harsh here it's not my heart please please hear, out, hear me out if we cross the red sea if we're on the other side if we are cut off from the authority why do we still cling to that authority why do we still cling to the hurt why do we still use the old guy, the guy at the bottom of the pool or the sea or wherever you were baptized? Why do we still carry him with us? Why do we still use him as an excuse for our behavior? I want to bring you good news this morning. You don't have to. You can put him down. There's some of you, and when I say some of you, <laughs> I need to tread carefully. I don't mean it in the way it may sound now. There's some of you that reek that you have a smell of dead corpse. Not because you are still dead. You are a beautiful, wonderful new creation.
but you are carrying that dead guy on your back. Good news is the morning. Uh, good news this morning. You can, you can put him down. I want to use one more illustration, my own testimony, to drive the nail into the coffin. And I didn't know my mom would come, so it's kind of an awkward thing now to share. You'll hear just now why. <laughs> but when Johandre was born, Johandre was born under the property of Satan. And the very first thing, so like the Egyptians were in, in, in like the Israelites were in, in Egypt, they were enslaved and they were, they were forced to work. And if they just do anything that that guy didn't like, he would strike them a blow. He would hit them. And he would wound, he would wound them. So the very first wound that I received was my biological father abandoning me. Saying, I don't want, I don't, I don't, I don't, I have no time for these complications in my life. It was fun, but I, I'm not the, I don't want the responsibilities. So that was the first blow that I received. The second blow I received was when my mom married the guy who adopted me. He became my father. He was the only father I knew. But because of his wounds and because of, 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 of his hurt in life, he never knew how to relate with me. I was just my mom's child. He never played with me. He barely watched the rugby match. He never said, oh, you did this, you can do this better. He never said, come sit here on my lap. He never wanted to spend time with me. So the second blow I received was lack of affirmation. And moms, you can affirm a child as much as you want to. There's just, just something in a dad. And especially for a boy, and especially for a girl as well. Is we need, that's why... That's why God hates divorce. Can I say that? God hates divorce because it messes up a family. And the child needs both parents. That was the second blow. Uh, yeah. The third blow was when my father, the guy who adopted me, left us when I was 13 years old. He abandoned us again. Cheated on my mom. Had a new girlfriend. Moved away. And then two years later, he decided to die. Not he, well, his lifestyle helped him. But he, he died of a, of a, of a, knee, a, a, a kidney, kidney disease. And, but his lifestyle, but anyway. So, so can you see that how the Egyptians, how Satan struck me at the same wound every single time? And I had this massive wound. And that massive wound caused me, and this is now the awkward part, Mama. That massive wound, I thought I could treat that wound. I thought, I know what ointment to put on it. Can I tell you? Olofberg doesn't work. All right? It only worsens things. I went to alcohol. I, I messed around with other girls. I was a semi-alcoholic, if you look at the definition of what an alcoholic is, actually. And I was a fornicator. And I thought that would help for me. I thought that would ease the pain. Why? Because when I got drunk, I was the cool guy. And people gave me affirmation. When I got that girl, I thought, yeah, I can get her, Easter. Huh? Look at me. Luckily, luckily God didn't tolerate my egocentricness. Is that a word, Auntie Penny? Luckily, God soon after allowed me to be in a car accident where I realized, hey, 
I'm not that guy. And very soon after, I found myself in a place where I tried so desperately hard to be friends with a certain group of people, but I just realized that I was a loser in the group. And I had this massive weight on my shoulder to try and perform and to try and do all the things that they do so that they will accept me. And then a day came where God convicted me. He used, and I must say this carefully, but there was a a lady that, that died in a car accident. And in that moment, God convicted me and he said to me, Andre, if you go, because I, I stayed in Wellington at that time, if you drive home on Friday and you die in a car accident, you will be in hell forever. And I was like, sure, I can't live 80 years just to end up in hell. I can't do it. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry. What, what, what do I need to do? I repented. Why are you guys sneezing? It's like... You and you. I reached out. God, God was see. God was reaching out to me all along, but finally I took His hand. I repented, and I believed that God is the one-way ticket. He's the only ticket that will get me into heaven. Oh, Jesus, it's the only ticket that will get me. So I believed in what He did, and guess what? I got baptized. And now I'm standing in front of you, a new creation. And it's been work. It's not an easy thing. It's not a one day this, one day that. It's been work. Especially in the area of what people think of me. But I, I, I I think I have victory over that. Because I don't really care what people think of me. And that is just God that that did it. See, when we are cut off from Satan's, being Satan's possession, from his authority, from that moment we have a choice. For me, Satan offered me women. I was married. Basically, the first night I went uh, after my marriage, after me and Anita um, were, yeah, after me and Anita were married, she went on a camp or on a tour, school tour, and I went to my friends, and a girl practically threw herself at me. And from the old Johandre, wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to resist that. But from that moment, from the moment where I was a new creation, I had a choice. I had a choice. I didn't have to obey Satan. He says, look at this woman. I can now say, I don't want to look. I don't trust myself alone near her. It's my choice. Satan tempts me with alcohol. It's my choice. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Satan comes to me now and he says, Johandre, you are a worthless loser. I can tell him, I definitely know that I'm not. Because Friday night there were 24 youthies. And I know that I impact all of them whether they like it or not. And so I'm definitely not useless, worthless anymore, useless anymore. Maybe my friends, my old friends think, oh, he's worthless. Doesn't have a big income. Doesn't drive, drives a autos, loser. But I know, I know. And that is not me being cool. That is the work of Jesus Christ. See, religion, religion says you must do this. You must follow this diet. 
you must read this seven habits to highly effective people and then you will get that promotion or you will do this or this or this. Jesus Christ says, it is done. It is done. The moment you go through the Red Sea, the authority stops. Your identity changes from being a sinner to being a child of God that gets stuff wrong sometimes. Okay? So I think, and I know I need to put in another disclaimer here, for some of us it will be a process. While I was preparing my preach, I shared in the, in the um, prayer meeting earlier, how's my time doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Um, I shared in the prayer meeting, while I was uh, uh, prepping this message, I got the picture of a lion sitting in a cage. You know that, you know that wildlife stuff where the, they set the lion free? The lion is not free, he's in a cage. Now they open the gate. But sometimes that lion doesn't run out. I'll show you. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'll, I'll, I'll nod. <laughs> the, the, the gate of that cage is open. But that lion will not be free until he believes that he is free. If he sits in that cage, the gate can be open. He sits in that cage. Nothing will change about his freedom. So I think for some of us, and I know there's, there needs to be for some, some of you will need help with this. Maybe you are like an Egyptian that went through the Red Sea, but you have, still have handcuffs on of, of, of some spiritual or maybe demonic stuff. I do believe, I do believe Christians can open doors and demons can come in and they can create bondage. You're still a child of God. Please hear me out. You're still a child of God. But Satan wants to have you in bondage. He loves that. So for some of us, it may be a, a process. And I want to encourage you, if you struggle to get free, you're like, I, just, I, can't, I can't break this thing. Maybe you have an addiction and you try everything in your might and you can't break it. Can't break it. I want you to be bold and come speak to us, one of us, whenever in the week or whenever, right? But I think for some of us, it is as easy as the gates open. Just get up and go out. Just put down the dead man that's on your back. I think for, for some of us, it is just an easy, simple thing as changing your language. If you keep on referring to yourself as, yes, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, guess what you will end up doing? If I, and I, I, especially, I especially grew the snore for this, no, I'm joking, it's actually, but if I go and I say, I'm a speed cop, I'm a traffic cop, I'm a traffic cop, I'm a traffic cop, if I tell myself that lie enough, I will start going writing out tickets for people, but am I a traffic cop? No, I'm a teacher, all right? So if we keep on referring to ourselves as sinners, you'll end up sinning. So I think for some of us, we should just, Refer to ourselves as children of God. And children make mistakes. Children mess up. But your identity has changed. So I want to say this, practical. If, if Satan comes to you and he tempts you with an old habit, refer him to the guy at the bottom of the pool. It's not me anymore, it's that guy. He used to do it, not me anymore. Something that that uh, elder from, from 
the Benoni church city on a hill, uh, a phrase that he used is he said, if Satan comes and he wants to tell you it's okay to behave in a certain way because of the wound you used to have, refer him to the funeral service. Say to him, listen, dude, that guy with the wound is dead. That guy you're looking for is, is not me anymore. I believe, Dian, I believe that freedom lies in believing that you are free. Freedom lies in believing that you are free. Stop dragging the corpse around. So can I ask you guys, as, as Tian plays guitar, can I ask you to maybe close your eyes right now? And I really trust that this, this is something that's on my heart for the whole week. The whole week I was like, Lord, I don't care how I sound. I don't care if my words or my argument are, are, are well presented. I, but I care for this thing. I care that people will walk in freedom the minute they walk out of the door. This is my, that's my heart's desire. My question to you this morning Are you a new creation? Or are you still the guy or the girl enslaved by Satan, enslaved by the Egyptians? Are you still under the dominion of Satan? Do you feel the blows striking at your back? Do you feel Satan and, or just life striking the same thing? Maybe for you it's rejection. Maybe it's something else. But, but for you, I want to I share, I I share the good news with you this morning. There's a way out. There's a lifeline. There's a ticket. That ticket's name is Jesus Christ. He carried your sin while he was nailed to the cross. If you believe in him, if you repent of your ways and you believe in him, God doesn't see you as a sinner anymore. He sees you as one of his children. Is there any one of you that wants to become a child of God this morning? Say, I had enough of this enslavement. I had enough of following the orders of Satan, obeying him. I had enough of this. Is there anyone like that? I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to call you to the front. Maybe just the indication uh, that I just know who, who I'm praying for. Thank you. Thank you. I actually want to do this. Um, if you responded now by maybe I missed, I missed the signal you gave me or maybe you're too like, afraid to put up your hand. If this is you, if I'm speaking to you right now, I want you to pray with me. Pray this following prayer in your, in your heart. Just agree or, or, or say the words in your mind after me. Say, say this words. Lord Jesus, 
I'm tired of following Satan's commands. I thank you. I thank you that you have died on a cross for me. I believe in the work that you did. I repent of my wicked ways. Jesus, please forgive me. Please save me. And I do want to encourage you, if, if you prayed that prayer, please come and speak to one of us afterwards. We can go outside. No one has to know. If you, if, if you don't want, it's fine. But we need, we, we want to, we really want to pray with you. And I also want to give an opportunity for a second group of people. And <laughs> Guys, I'm an elder in this church. I know what you guys are going through. All right? I know some of you are carrying a dead guy on your back. And it's busy killing you. Your knees can't take it anymore. The invitation this morning is, put that guy down. Put him down. You don't have to listen to him. You don't have to carry him around. If that's you, can I I ask you to be bold and to stand? Thanks, guys, for your boldness. God sees your boldness. God sees your heart. Can I maybe ask...